again ladies and gentlemen, Ghost Nobody here, ready to bring you chapter 145 of Radiance, my original Fallout fanfiction. As always, if you can like, share and subscribe to this wherever you can, and leave feedback at sites via fanfiction.net, archiveofourown.org, or even at my own website, ghostnobody.com. I always enjoy reading your comments and seeing what you're thinking. And you know, if you've got any ideas, you're always free to leave them on my Discord or on these sites. And you know, if I like the ideas, I might pick them up and use them. You never know. But if you do pop over to ghostnobody.com, why don't you check out Stormrider? You know, if big surly dragon-esque girls, orcs and elves, magical realms and human mages are your sort of thing, check it out. You might enjoy it. And also, while you're there, why not pop over to the Ghostly Link section? Check out Mortis, my original novel, for sale on both Smashwords and on Amazon. Pick it up. Help support me and keep me doing what I love. Bringing unlikely alien romance stories to you good people. So, without any further ado then, let's get on with the show, shall we? Oh, but first the usual legal disclaimer. I don't own Fallout or anything to do with it, that's all Bethesda. I just keep crazy tales happy. Let's get on with the show. Chapter 145. Safe Crackers. The underground storage yard was absolutely massive. It's like two underground football stadiums tacked end to end along with their car parks. Sasha and his team stood marvelling at the sheer size of the place, which is now partially lit up thanks to them restoring some of the power to one of the generators. But the sight that was presented to them still filled Sasha with an amazement. He hadn't expected the place to be quite so big. Wow, look at the size of this place, Ivan said, dropping down from atop one of the container stacks that was stood at the entrance of the yard, waiting to be shipped to parts unknown for all this time. Even if half of these are full, we'll still have more than enough to equip not small army, but big army, Sasha said gleefully as he walked up to the container that Ivan had just leapt down from and grabbed hold of one of the locking mechanisms around the door handles. The large old padlock, while sturdy, was no match for the overpowered servos and hydraulics of Sasha's power armour. The metal shrieking in protest as he first crushed the locking pins before wrenching the bars apart in order to pop the lock off. As he now discarded the very busted lock, he began to crank the handle open to the doors. Both the Cossacks and the Valkyries then gathered around him just to see the spoils of their efforts. As the door swung open, it revealed two pristine rows of suits within. One side had T-51s, and the other had older, but still very viable, T-45s. Jackpot, Natalia said, nodding in approval and making her headlight beam bounce up and down inside of the crate, and making the shadows increase the illusion of a whole standing army contained within its metal walls. Should we not contact Minutemen and let them know what we have found? Selene asked and Sasha nodded. We will in time, worry not, my large feathered friend. But first we must secure this whole place and make sure that none of our rotting friends have made it in here. We must be diligent, Sasha said and he saw Selene's face fall and he instantly twigged what was bothering her. He stepped up to the la his large second-in-command and placed a metal hand on her shoulder and squeezed gently to give her reassurance, which caused her once again to look at him in surprise. It seemed that the big condor woman was not used to having people brave enough to simply touch her out of the blue like this. 
that she would soon learn what it meant to have Russian friends at her back now. Worry not, my feathered comrade. You will see vast open skies again soon, and you will soar through them free as well. Bird, he said with a chuckle at his own slight full par, and calling her a bird. Sling raised a large, large eyebrow in surprise that he had so easily deduced what was bothering her, and he saw her feathers ruffle in response. He really was going to have to go and take some time to learn the meanings of those ruffles. I hope so. I do not like the feeling of being so cooped up. I do not understand how you humans do it. To not have access to the vast invisible ocean is so unthinkable to my kind. But to not be able to even see it? It's unsettling, to say the least, she said. Sasha nodded in understanding. He kind of emphasised with her plight a bit here, but in an oddly kind of almost reversed way. He, like all true Cossacks, had been raised underground, far from the brightness of the suns or the dangers of the surface. But this had had its own set of problems and curses, such as most of them having overly sensitive eyes that, while brilliant in the darkness of the tunnels, were a rather pain in the arse under the beating rays of the sun. But this aside, when he was forced to spend so long away from the comforting security of the tunnels and the underground, Sasha did admit that he felt a rather odd sense of unsettlement. So seeing his new feathered comrade sensing something similar while being detached from her vast open skies, which she would use those magnificent wings of hers to soar through, he could sympathise with her plight somewhat. Where his was his home to him and his brethren, to her and hers, it might as well have been an alien planet. He figured that being distracted by duty would help her keep her mind focused and sharp. So he gave her command of the remaining part of the team and sent them off to begin the sweep, while he headed for the command centre at the centre of the hub to search for an itinerary or shipping manifest that would hopefully help speed the task of finding how many suits they had on hand up. Celine swung her smaller automatic rifle through her firing arc, as she checked shadowy corners between the container stacks before leaping high into the air to land atop one of them and gain a bird's eye view to the surrounding area. Suddenly she felt a prickling at the back of her mind. She'd kept wondering to herself how this odd Russian human seemed to read her so well and so easily. None of her own kind had ever bothered to try and do so before, though most likely out of both fear and respect. But somehow this odd human whom she'd just met seemed to be able to peer right through her with those sapphire-blue eyes of his, like she was no more than a pane of glass. She clacked her beak in annoyance as she tried to rack her brains for any ideas as how he was able to do so. He was not of her kind, and yet he somehow seemed to understand their plight as if it was his own, which, again, made no sense to her whatsoever. Upon seeing no threats, she leapt back down and signalled to her team to move up, and they all fell in behind her. At least Sasha's word was good, in that his soldiers followed her commands without question. It was as if he himself was giving them. It spoke very well of them, which indeed pleased her. As they moved through the pools of inky shadow, Selene kept replaying the last few days back in her head, trying to piece together how it was that this human seemed to be able to figure it out so easily. Was she giving him unspoken tells? She remembered one of her subordinates once telling her 
and she was an absolute nightmare to play shells against, and she was near impossible to read. And incidentally, this was how she was usually able to win the vast majority of these matches, as her opponents were unable to gauge if she was indeed hiding her corn beneath the shell that they were going to attack, or not. But somehow, a human of all things was able to see right through her. And not just any human, but it had to be the human that even she could not deny to herself was infuriatingly attractive. Celine clacked her beak to herself quietly at this annoying little self-reservation as she turned a corner into yet another of the many, many alleyways between the stacked-up containers. As much as she was desperately trying to deny it to herself, it was getting harder and harder by the hour. This human appealed to her on quite a few different levels, and it annoyed her as much as it did confuse her. Now, there was already one of her kind that had already taken one of theirs as a mate, and she was already running with the free peoples of the wastes in the form of Featherguard Jewel. When the news of this had hit the barracks, it had circulated among the Featherguard like wildfire. Honestly, when it came to idle chatter, they were worse than a whole army of suing circle hens. But at the time, Selene remembered that she'd felt a mixture of being reviled and disgusted. To her, this female was not only a species traitor, but in her opinion, a disgrace to the Feather Guard. This had been in part due to the way she claimed him as her mate. Now, it was no secret among all that if one had an indentured servant, they were indeed free to do with them as they pleased. But that whole premise had never set right with Selene for a whole host of reasons the biggest of which was she felt it was just plain wrong. She saw the practice as absolutely distasteful and disgusting. To her, if you could not claim a male through strength of one's character and their feminine wiles, then you didn't deserve to have them preening on your wing. Taking anyone by force and against their wills, regardless of station in the pecking order, was vile practice and was one of raggy feathered who could not attract a mate through normal and clean means. In fact, she had been rather impressed and pleased by the action of the free peoples when they had sent an ambassador to their city to not only petition for the human soldier's release, but to also have Jewel held accountable for her actions towards him. From whispering chirps she'd heard in the barracks, the pair were still together, though now on what would be some would call equal footing, though apparently this was due to the intervention of a rather curious being, and next to nobody had any real information on. According to these little songbirds, this being had some kind of incredible power that allowed them to delve into a person's mind and walk right through it like they were going through a morning stroll in the floating gardens. Apparently they'd gone into both of their minds and not only repaired the damage that Jewel had actually caused to the human, but it also made her feel the consequences of her actions first hand. This is a punishment that, in Selene's humble opinion, fit the actions rather nicely, to force the victimizer to live the pain and humiliation of the victim as if it was their own, and to make them suffer it, would be truly a powerful deterrent. Though at the time, she had also found herself wondering what in the name of hell that she had seen in such a male to begin with, that she would even ever consider betraying her own species for one of them, let alone actually doing it, especially in such a way. But now as she stalked among the crates of this once mighty remnant of the human ingenuity and civilization and military might, 
she couldn't actually manage to force the images of her commander from her own mind. Before she had met him, she had found humans barely worthy of recognition. They couldn't fly, they were bound to the earth like mole rats, scurrying around their pointless and destructive little lives, bringing misery to wherever they chose to tread. But now, having spent some actual time with them, she did concede that there were so much more to them than that. Yes, there were indeed humans that lived up to the stereotype that war with her people had fanned the flames of. But then there were good humans as well. Humans that understood the ways of honour and valiance. Humans who would put others before themselves regardless of either kinship or even species and would fight to defend them. Humans like Sasha. Indeed, he in the short time that she had known him had shown him shown her that their two species weren't all that dissimilar at all. They both had their wants and their fears, and making of those that rose above the masses was simply how they handled both of those things. Suddenly a flurry of movement in the shadows ahead of her caught her attention, and she snapped her rifle up towards it and balled her fist over her shoulder. What do you see? Natalia asked from behind her as she stepped out of rank to flank her and get her weapon trained in the same direction. Unknown. I saw movement in the shadow ahead. Everyone switched to night vision and be careful of the light flaring, Selene said, causing all of those following her to switch on their own night vision systems while she flicked down her own set of human goggles over her eyes. The world instantly changed to a flickering image of bright green that was blindingly bright if one's vision wandered too close to any source of light. Selene panned her rifle slowly over the gap between the crates, watching the shadows very carefully as she did. And that's when she saw it again, and she wasn't the only one this time. What the hell is that? Natalia asked from her right, glancing at her and Selene glanced back, equally confused by what they were both seeing at the far end of the crate stacks. At the distance they were seeing it, it was a shape that was hard to make out, thanks to the night vision having somewhat of a limited range. But there was definitely something rather large moving down there between the crates. Selene pressed her PTT on her shoulder-mounted radio. Eagle Eye 1-1 to Sitting Duck 1-1, come in over, she said softly while trying not to smile to herself as she imagined Sasha grinding his teeth at her jokey call sign referring to him being stuck on the ground while she soared high through the sky above his head. Go ahead, Eagle Eye 1-1. Sasha's voice came back with a distinct hint of both resignation and irritation that made her smile broaden a little. Somehow it was rather fun to get under his tough yet soft-looking skin. Have possible hostile contact of unknown origin ahead, over, she said. Ghouls? Over? Sasha asked. Negative. Whatever this is, it's a hell of a lot bigger than a ghoul. Can't get a positive idea on it. Down the far end of the stacks, hiding in the shadows ahead of us. Over, she replied. Wait one. Sitting duck one one to eagle eye two one. You listening in? Over, Sasha asked, addressing Ava this time. Go ahead, sitting duck one one. Over, Ava's voice replied. You have the best set of eyes of us, of all of us in the dark. Can you get up high and see if you can get eyes on this target of which eagle eye one one speaks? Over. Sasha said, and Selene nodded her approval at this. This is something she herself would have done in his place. Using the strengths of your team to your advantage was the mark of a good leader. 
and he was really proving himself to be just that in her not-so-humble opinion, which, given that her standards were considerably some of the highest in the Valkyrie military, was no easy feat. Roger that, sitting at Duck 1-1. One, one. Eagle Eye 1-1, one, one, hold 1 while I reposition. Over, Ava said, and Selene imagined the large horned owl taking to the air above the stacks and finding a high perch to look down on them from above. Ava's one of the best night snipers in the entire unit, and she had seen, been handpicked by Celine to be her, in her personal unit due to her well-earned no-nonsense reputation, as well as that skill of hers with a rifle. She was also an expert on silent flying, which was usually a skill reserved for those of the barn owl genus. So for a horned owl such as she to be so quiet on the wing that she quite often caught her fluffier white brethren by complete surprise in training, was quite the accomplishment, and rather a large feather in the cap of their unit, to say the least. Eagle Eye 2-1 to Eagle Eye 1-1 and Sitting Duck 1-1. I have eyes on your target. It's 130 metres ahead of you. It's moving between the stacks, but I can't get qu quite get eyes on it, as it's hiding between the crates. But whatever it's bit, it is, it's big. Definitely not a ghoul. Over, Ava said. Roger that, Eagle Eye 1-1. One, one. Sitting Duck 1-1. One, one. What are your orders? Over, Selene asked. Sitting Duck 1-1 one, one to both 1 and 2. Both teams converge slowly from different angles. Catch it in pincer movement. I'm on the balcony of the office above you. If it tries to escape using the stacks, I will fire down upon it. Be careful with crossfire. Over, Sasha said. Roger that, sitting duck 1-1. One, one. We are moving, Selene said, and she motioned for her team to advance slowly and as silently as possible. The team behind her instantly split into a staggered line and began to advance in her wake, keeping their eyes forward while maintaining their firing arcs as best they could. Over the comms, Ava counted down their distance to the target for both teams as she kept her incredibly sharp eyes on them and their target. As she got closer, she began to hear something rather odd rustling that almost sounded sticky. That's when she stood on something that was also sticky. and she glanced down, she noticed the floor was covered with something white that was playing merry hell with her night vision by reflecting the light from the infrared emitters back up at her for what the hell? she hissed silently. Eagle Eye 1 1, freeze! I think it's detected you, Ava's voice called with a distinctly breathless note of concern. And that's when the creature moved. And oh boy, did it move! Like a bullet out of a gun barrel, a massive black shadow with what looked like way more legs than it should have shot right up and over the stack, moving way faster than something of its size should have been able to move. It was so fast that not even Celine's eyes managed to get a fix on it. Watch it! It's running! Natalia yelled and both teams rushed forward into the gap only to see what looked like a furry pair of legs vanishing over the top of the crate stack, leaving behind it what looked like a white trail of some kind. What the fuck was that? Ivan exclaimed, looking up at the glistening white trail that ran right up vertically over the size of a large crate stack. Eagle Eye 2-1 to Eagle Eye 1-1. The creature is moving along the top of the stacks towards the command centre. Still can't get a fix on it. Tell it with this bloody light glare. Over. Eva exclaimed. Eagle Eye 2-1. Fire a shot. See if you can steer it. We'll set up an ambush ahead of it. Over. 
Selene said with a fiery determin in her vi- determination in her voice. This creature had made a fool out of her, and she would not make this slight side. Roger that. Firing now. Over, Ava said, and from high above him there was a boom as her high-powered rifle, caught, which caused one of the crates to ring like it had been struck like a gong. There was a shrieking noise and the sound of what sounded like running coming from the top of the crate stacks ahead of them, indicating Eva's shot had worked perfectly. This way, quickly, we will cut this creature off. Celine yelled and rushed forward with her team in hot pursuit, now having abandoned all attempts at stealth, like their prey could, which we could hear running along the top of the stacks as Eva steered it by shooting ahead of it. The team managed to reach a large opening with multiple branching alleyways branching from it. Spread out, taking the alleyway each will surround this creature and cut it off its escape, Selene said, and the group quickly split up and tucked themselves into the branching alleyways to lay in wait in the shadows. From above her head there was a dull boom as Ava fired a shot close to them, which caused the creature to change direction above them. The sound of it running towards them was rather quite dramatic, as it was either echoing like crazy or it really did have multiple legs as it sounded like multiple people all running at once. From the crate to her right, there was a loud ding noise as a bullet struck it, and there was a screech from directly above her before something massive and black dropped down directly in front of her with a heavy-sounding thud. Even before she had a chance to realise what she was looking at, Celine stepped out of the shadows and started yelling, Freeze! Do not move or we will fire on you! Celine yelled, despite her every instinct telling her to shoot first and talk second. But there was still a chance that this was some kind of sentient creature. Given the fact that it had tried to run rather than fight them outright, it at least gave a pause on thoughts of shooting it, if she didn't have to. That was when a series of large flood lamps snapped right on above their heads and swivelled to aim into the space between them, which lit the creature up and for a second Celine was blinded by the light. But she quickly tore her goggles up and off her head, and she instantly felt a beak drop by what she found when they when her vision cleared. Stood before them, on eight very large and fluffy black legs, was an arachnic eye. Please don't shoot me. I haven't done anything wrong. Please don't hurt me. The large arachnid human hybrid yelled, trying to cower in fear and pulling its whole body inwards and using its eight massive legs in an attempt to shield its body. The voice that came from between them was distinctly feminine. Suddenly there was a boom as another shape dropped down between the stacks and Selene instantly snapped a weapon to it only to see Sasha walking towards them. Do not shoot is one of Malachi species, he called loudly as he strode into the clearing towards the cowering Arachnikai. Selene lowered her weapon and motioned for them all to do the same as both humans and Valkyries alike emerged into the light pool formed by the spotlights above them. Slowly they approached the large fluffy creature at the centre of it. Fear not, large one, we are not your enemy. We will not hurt you if you do not hurt us. We know what you are, and we do not fear you. You are an arachnikai, are you not? Sasha said, keeping his weapon now stowed on his back, as to appear non-threatening. But a glance at Selene told her to keep hers in hand, just in case. Slowly the massive fluffy legs at the centre of the large arachnid hybrid's body began to open outwards and began to emerge revealing a dark black-skinned human female top half that indeed did remind Selene of the male of the species that ran with the free peoples of the wastes that they referred to as Malachi 
except he was white and not black in skin. Though there was also a very distinct difference in her eyes too, and also her size. She was far, far larger than Malachi was by a factor of what must have been two, and her leg span was also far larger than his. But she had the same eight eyes, but they were somewhat smaller than Malachi's, and the pattern of them on her head was rather different as well. That's when she flatly glanced around at the stranger surrounding her. She was wearing what looked like some sort of makeshift patchwork of leather armour that covered her human half, but showed that she was still blatantly a female. It was only then that Selene realised that they had seen something very much like her before. It looked like a tarantula of some kind. The only reason she knew about these creatures was quite a few of her kin had kept these odd little creatures as pets, and they were also used as natural pest control in the farms where they would eat things like locusts that could damage the crops. So they were rather somewhat useful. But obviously this creature was far, far larger than their ground-dwelling cousins. Plus she also was half-human, as was obvious by her top half that she now turned her head around to look at them all around her. You've heard of my kind before? The female arachnikai said in a shaking and obviously scared voice, which despite a massive size advantage over those surrounded her, easily gave away her fear. Indeed, large one. Another of your kind runs with our extended group. He calls himself Malachi. He's probably the best tailor that I've ever met in my life. So, if you are no threat to us, then we will be no threat to you, as we would rather happily extend the same hand of friendship that we share with him to you as well, Sasha said, slowly approaching the massive female as she rotated herself around on her large legs to face him directly. Selene noted that Sasha was keeping his hands out to the sides and keeping them open so that she could see that he was holding no weapons in them and was offering no threat to her, though the same could not be said for the others, as while he was offering her a hand in friendship, they obviously wanted her to know that any stupid moves would not go unanswered. Friendship? With humans? Large Arachnikai said in a very obvious surprise in her voice as if the concept was completely alien to her which was something that Selene herself could actually understand. She decided now might be a good time to chime in herself and assist her commander and her new human allies, as being a non-human herself, her words may carry more weight with the larger and obviously fearful non-human arachnid. He speaks the truth, she said, stepping forward so that the large arachnikai could see her much more clearly. And when she turned to look at her, eight, all eight of her eyes widened in surprise. It was obvious that she had not noticed that half the group was made up of non-humans, though that was forgivable as she'd been far more concerned with trying to escape them than get a good look at them. Y you're a Valkyrie, the large Arachnikai said, taking a few shuffling steps towards her so that she could see her better with the glaring lights. You know of my kind? Selene asked with surprise now in her voice and the large arachnikai nodded eagerly, making her mane of fluffy curly fur on top of her head bob in time with her movements. Oh yes, I've seen them in the hills north of here. They were scouting some abandoned factories, I think. I thought about approaching them to say hello, but then they went to war with the humans, and I got scared because I thought they might try to shoot me by mistake. Humans always tend to shoot at me, Dorman said, sounding rather sad at the last part. That is something I can sympathise with. My kind had the very same problem until recently. 
and now we have something both of an understanding and even a serious alliances with them. It did take us a bit to realise that there are indeed good humans out there, and while yes, granted, can feel like they are very few and far between, they do indeed exist, as been proven right here, right now. Selene's head and the large hybrid looked both curious and surprised. What do you mean? she asked while shuffling on her eight large fluffy feet. Well, think about it. We chased you because we believed you were a threat to us. It was one of my kind that drove you out into this ambush, but it was a human and a non-human that stayed our hands. First me, and then our commander there, Selene said, and the large hybrid turned to look at Sasha again, who had now removed his helmet to show her that he was indeed human. The large hybrid looked in unsure, but she slowly scuttled up to Sasha, who simply stood there and looked up at her. What is your name, large one? he asked as she drew close to him. E Ebony? Ebony Broadleg. I'm of the Brazilian black genus of the Arachnikai, she said, with some slight pride in her voice at that. And Sasha nodded and held out a hand towards her, causing her to first shrink back, almost looking like she was going to curl herself in behind her large legs again. But then she slowly reached out to touch Sasha's hand. He took her hand and shook it, which at first obviously alarmed the large female. But when she realised he wasn't hurting her or threatening her, she visibly relaxed and mimicked his movements. It's good to meet you, enemy Ebony Broadleg. I am Sasha, and this is my second-in-command, Selene. I am of the Cossacks, a group of fighters from the Brotherhood of Steel, and Selene is of the mighty Silent Eagles, an elite Valkyrie sniper unit. But now we fight together under the same banner, a banner forged by the Free Peoples of the Wastes and stitched together by one of your own. Sasha said with a smile that made Selene clack her beak and ruffle her feathers in agreement. I didn't know that there were other Arachnikai out this far away from home, Ebony said, looking thoughtful, and Sasha shrugged. As far as I know, he is only one. Well, other than you, obviously. We do not know much about him other than he is member of Free Peoples, and his most excellent tailor, Sasha said, and Ebony nodded. All of my kind of a natural habit and talent for weaving and sewing kind of comes with the territory, Ebony said with a smile that revealed she had a pair of hooked black fangs hidden inside of her mouth that looked like they could deliver a rather nasty bite if need be. The large arachnikai pointed down to her own clothes, and that while first looked raggy, but upon closer inspection you could realise they'd been very carefully constructed to hide a multitude of pockets and were lined with rather thick-looking warm fur that had been taken from an unknown animal. Selene also noticed that there was a layer of what looked like possibly chainmail, as well as what looked like some rather thick cloth hidden directly underneath the leather that made the outside up. It seemed that Sasha also noticed these concealed modifications to her garment. This is impressive work, but why hide all of these things? He asked, pointing to both the armour and the pockets. In case people try to rob me. It's happened before. Human raiders, which honestly surprised me as they were the first to not try not to shoot me upon seeing me. But just when I thought I actually had the chance of actually making some friends, they pulled guns on me and tried to take everything I had. If it wasn't for my hairs, they'd have left me with nothing. Ebony said, sounding both angry and sad, but at the same time somewhat proud. Desperation makes people do stupid things. 
Unfortunately, this has become a way of life for those too stupid or too lazy to build and make things for themselves. Is why we have more raiders now than ever. But it's something we aim to change, Sasha said, and the rest of the Cossacks nodded in agreement with their leader. You said your hair saved you. How so? Selene asked curiously, and Ebony gave her a fang-filled grin that actually made her feathers ruffle in alarm, which she tried to suppress. Well, they weren't expecting me to be able to kick off a cloud of urdicating hairs from my abdomen now, were they? These things might look sleek and fluffy. When I kick them off, they turn into a cloud of real nasty fluffy little javelins that really don't play nice with human skin, or any skin for that matter. They especially don't play nice with eyes and windpipes either. I left them in a cloud of itchy, choking nasty and ran for it. And that was the day that I swore that I'd never get fooled by my want for a friend ever again. And I decided to live underground, just like my ancestors did. So I took to these train tunnels. Been ever down here ever since, Ebony said. Sounds lonely, Celine said, looking up at the large female who glanced down at her as she shifted uncomfortably on her eight feet. You get used to it. Better than being shot at or robbed, Ebony said with a dark note to her voice. Well, that life ends now if you wish it to. We can take you to a place where we would value you and your skills. Where you can meet good humans just like us and make friends to call your own. We'll value you for you and protect you also, Sasha said, causing Ebony to snap her attention back to him again. And when little Celine could see she wanted to trust written in her eight black eyes, there was also a scepticism there, which was fully understandable given what she'd been through and her experiences. You know, I've heard of your brotherhood of steel as well, and the things that I've heard are not so good, Ebony said, folding her arms over her surprisingly ample chest as she stared down at Sasha, who simply nodded in response. Let me guess. You hear we kill non-humans on whim, like cattle at slaughter, yes? He said, and she nodded. Something like that, yeah. She said, and again he nodded. Yes, this is stain on brotherhood. I will not lie to you. Many years, and indeed many generations of us, lived with this. But now is a new day in history of brotherhood. And indeed of mankind, thanks to new friends we make, who open our eyes to new possibilities that we ourselves not think of before. He said, and Ebony cocked her head. And behind her, Selene saw a large twin spinneret twitch much in the way that a Valkyrie might twitch their tail feathers in curiosity. Like what? she asked. Like how world is better when all those who live in it are not at each other's throats day in day out, Ivan said and Sasha nodded. Even broken clock is right twice a day. Yes, is as Ivan here says. We are of brotherhood, but we are not like majority of them. We are Cossacks, and we pride ourselves on being different. They needed us, because we can do things that they cannot. So they put up with us. Well, this then they know fighting against us is not good for health. So they make us part of Brotherhood of Steel and give us new purpose. But that does not mean we subscribe to all crazy ideals and rules they have. We did not go out of our way to remove non-humans from face of Earth for merely existing. Now if they attack us is different matter. We defend with fire and fury of a thousand suns. But if they let us be, we do the same. But now is new day. Now we meet powerful and strange new friends who show us, and Brotherhood at large, that there is a different way. 
way we all can have what we want and have a better and stronger world at the end of it. These friends are the free peoples of the wastes, Sasha said. I heard whispers of them when I've gone up to the surface at night to scavenge for things I need, when I used to sneak into human settlements. Recently I've heard of a lot of people talking about them. But who are they? Ebony asked, looking between the pair. They're a group that believes the only way to fix the world is through a unity between humans and non-humans. They believe that we all have the right to exist, and that only together can we actually begin to rebuild this world stronger and better than it once was. They stopped the war between my people and the Brotherhood by helping us to understand one another's point of view. Now, we're allies, and it's all thanks to them. Plus, they've added even more humans and non-humans alike to this mix. Like now. Here we are both under the flag of the Minutemen, looking for this armour right here, to be exact, in order to cement an alliance which benefits the entire region, human and non-human alike, Selene said. Sounds too good to be true, Ebony said, but her voice sounded like it had a hard kernel of hope buried within it. That's what I thought too until I met them. Saw with what my own eyes what they had achieved. Come with us. Meet them. Make up own mind. If you like not like what they offer, then you can go back to your tunnels. No harm, no foul. Free to go. But if you like what they offer, who knows? Maybe you too can find your true place with them and have future out there in the sun, rather than down here in dark alone, Sasha said, and this seemed to really strike a chord with Ebony. She looked thoughtful, and after a while she nodded. Please don't make me regret this. All I want to do is live free and in peace. I don't want to hurt anyone, she said, and Sasha nodded. Worry not, big girl. If we had wanted you harmed, you already would be, he said, and with that he signalled for them all to put their weapons down, which they did in a heartbeat. But they still had a job to do here. Hmm, maybe their new friend could help with that. So that was chapter 145, ladies and gentlemen, and they found a new arachnikai friend out in the middle of nowhere. These guys really do get around. But will Ebony Broadleg be a help or a hindrance? Will she fit in with her new friends? Will she be able to make new friends? Only going to be one way to answer those questions and so many more. Going to have to tune in next time. So until next time, this is Ghost Nobody signing off and saying, I'll see you all next time.